we want to share with you a little message about Christmas and why God chose Mary. Why did God choose Mary? Um, I, I mean, all of us know who Mary is. I don't know. You'd have to live in a cave somewhere to know, <laughs> know who Mary is. I mean, she's the figurine in every manger scene. She's somebody plays Mary in one of those live nativity sets. Somebody, somebody does her role. We read about her some in the Gospels. Yep. And of all the women in the world, God chose an ordinary peasant young woman to be the mother of Jesus. And, you know, throughout Scripture, we see God choosing just really ordinary and unlikely people to make himself known and show his glory to the world. And surely Mary was just a young peasant girl, uh, unknown, you know, to her community even. And so when the angel Gabriel first appeared to her and told her, you know, he says, not to fear that you have found favor in God's sight. Uh, when you think about it, like being chosen to be Jesus's mother, <laughs> you, you have to be a pretty remarkable person to be trusted with that role, Amen. right? I mean, you're going to raise a perfect son. That alone would be, you're not a perfect person. <laughs> you are going to raise a son who never <laughs> sinned. Uh, well. But not only the fact that she would have to raise God's only begotten son, but that she would be, have to be able to rightly handle just all the divine mysteries that would be shown to her along the way. Mm. Trusted, like, and hold them as sacred and not really freak out over all these things that were going to be starting to happen in her life that would be revealed to her. You know, think about Mary for a moment. Like, one day, she's, it says in Scripture that she was engaged to be married to Joseph. And so she's planning a wedding at some future date. Usually there was a one-year betrothal period. Mm -hmm. So she's planning happily, probably, you know, planning a wedding to be married to Joseph. And the next moment, an angel appears to her. God, in this supernatural way, appears to her, like bursts through on the scene in this supernatural way, like ex exposing her to the kingdom of God and his plan for her life. And that would have to be startling, would have to be fearful, uh, but she was willing. One of the things about Mary that we're going to see is she was willing, in spite of the mystery and even the strangeness of all mm -hmm. of it, about God exposing the kingdom of God to her and what the plan and purpose that he had for her life would be. She was willing to go along with the mystery, even though she had a lot of unanswered questions, which we all do along the way, don't we? Yep. I mean, as you follow God, not everything just lines up in your life the way you think it does or it's supposed to. And so, so many of us, so for often periods and seasons in our life, we have to live with unanswered questions about, I didn't think it was going to go this way, or I didn't think it was going to take this long, or how come it's taking this turn in my <laughs> life? Anybody can relate to uh, that? Yeah. <laughs> so the angel says to her, you know, I mean, that the baby born to you is going to take the throne of David. So on the one hand, she's told it's going to be a virgin birth, I mean, all this becomes really supernatural to her. But on the one hand, she, she does bear a son in a normal way, in a natural way. Physically, she sees her baby born in a very natural way. But then she has all these words spoken to her about who Jesus is, that he's going to take the throne of David and his kingdom will never end. And then shepherds come, as the story is told, mm -hmm. and tell her that the host of heavenly angels appeared to us in the night and said that the baby born in a manger who we see right here is, is Christ the Messiah. Uh, just think of the hopes and the plans and the dreams. Like that, any, If you have a mother 
and you have a baby, you know what I'm talking about. Your baby's born and you're thinking, I have hopes and dreams for this child, don't mm -hmm. you? For wonderful things to happen. Yes. And to hear that, you would have to just, like it says in scripture a lot, Mary pondered these things in her heart along the way. And yet, eight days later, like at his dedication in the temple, the prophet Simeon stands up and he starts to make these declarations about Jesus saying, years from now, a painful sword is going to pierce through your heart, Mary. Even though all these wonderful things are true about your son, a painful mm. sword is going to pierce through your heart. And he didn't mean physical, that somebody was going to physically pierce her heart. He meant emotionally. You are going to be pierced emotionally when you see your son rejected, when you see your son mocked, when you see your son brutally sacrificed Ew. on yeah. a cross, you know, in order to become the savior of the world. And so then, then think about it. When she does eventually see that happen, three days later, he rises from the grave, <laughs> Amen. resurrected to eternal life. Glory. I mean, Jesus comes in the world, okay, as her baby boy, and then he leaves this world as her savior. Wow. I mean, God would be like, what kind of woman is going to, young woman is going to be able to handle this plan and purpose for her life and not become offended right. at all the things that are also going to happen because of it and just hold it as sacred in her life. I mean, what a, what a life. What a ride, so to what speak. What a ride you know? is correct. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So there would be so many highs and lows to Mary's life. So many things that she would have to just, like it says in Scripture, she pondered it along the way. Right. What does this all mean? How is this all going to play out? And yet eventually, you know, she would hold fast to these sacred truths which God entrusted her with. And that's what he was looking for, somebody who would trust him in spite of a lot of those mysteries. You know, and then Jesus begins his public ministry at age 30. He chooses 12 disciples, yeah. you know, and his own family starts to question, you know, his behavior his, really even his sanity, they, they see all these crowds following him, they see these miracles happening, they see all this happen, he starts speaking this about heaven, he starts speaking about God is his father, he starts talking about the way of salvation and how this is all going to happen. You know, in Mark chapter 3, it's in all the gospels except John, but it says that, you know, even if there was one point that he was doing so much ministry that they did not have time to even eat. And his mom, good Jewish mom, is coming with her sons, her Jesus' other brothers, coming to take him because they think he's, he's lost his mind. They thought he was crazy. So they were going to come and save him from all this trouble. <laughs> So, you know, here's Mary and here's James, who James is his half-brother, initially has no belief in him, does not believe him. You know, his, his, yeah, my brother, he was perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. mom really liked him. Talk bad. about sibling rivalry. <laughs> but he was unbelieving. And Mary, again, she pondered all this in her heart, but they eventually all came around because the Bible declares that Mary... And James were in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in other tongues and they went out and told the city of Jerusalem about the Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, but uh, So why did God choose Mary? Why did he? 
Because God had to, like Pastor Mamie was saying, he's looking for a woman who will not become offended at his plan for her life and how her life would glorify him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a lot of still a lot of misconceptions about Mary, even still today. Uh, the Bible declares that it never says that she was sinless. Never says that she was perfect. Never says that she was divine. It never says that she was a perpetual virgin because she had at least six kids other than Jesus. And it, nowhere does it say that we're to pray to her. Amen. Yeah. Nowhere does it say we're to worship her. The Bible clearly states that we have one mediator between God and man, yeah. and that's Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's right. So why did God choose Mary? You know, it wasn't because of her education, because she had none. It wasn't because of her wealth, because she was poor. The Bible declares that she was poor. It certainly wasn't because of her maturity, because we read that she was a teenager. Anybody have teenagers? Okay. <laughs> Let's read the account of the story. Um, we're going to read from Luke 1, 26 to 38. Nice. And then we're going to just pull out some important things about Mary and her character that we could see, some things that she modeled. And so Luke 1, 26 says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, mm -hmm. to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You'll give, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Hallelujah. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered her and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for mm. her, who was once called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That's an yes. awesome scripture. You should yeah. underline that. So what type of person does God uh, use? That, you know what? All the people that God does use, he has, they have some certain things in common. Uh, and this is the truth. If we build these things in our lives, if we build these things in our lives, if we embrace them, if we start to own these things, then God will use us in ways that probably are far beyond what we can even imagine or think. Yeah. Amen? The first thing here is, you know, take your outline and take a look at this. God uses people who deeply desire to do His will. Who deeply desire to do His will. 
And you know that you could live your whole life and, and still miss out the will of God for your life? Yeah. Your entire life, 80, 90 years. Yeah. Still miss the will of God for your life. Well, just look at look at this season. Look around. Go to the stores. You know, we see all the Christmas decorations. You hear the, the Christmas songs of old. You know, we see as you drive by, you're going to see nativity scene. We have one right in front of our church. We have this nativity scene, you know, and the vast majority of people are going to miss the real true meaning of this season. Mm-hmm. Totally. They don't have a clue what they're celebrating. They don't. Yeah, this is on your outline too. God does have a plan and purpose for your life, but it is not automatic. Can I hear an amen there? Amen. It is not automatic. So we've got to understand that we have a part to play in this. God uses people who deeply desire to do His will. And you and I, we have to come to a place where we are going to tell God, I want your plan for my life. I want your will for my life. But here's the key. God never takes away your free will. That's right. He never takes away your free will. So you and I have to purposely lay down our lives, purposely lay them down. And tell God, I want your will for my life. Not my plans, not my way. That's hard to do, isn't it? Not my way. Because you and I could waste our lives. We could blow our life. We could squander our life and we could make it count for nothing. And the key is, just because you come to church doesn't mean that you are automatically doing the will of God. God uses people who say, God, I really want your will for my life. I want your purpose for my life. You know, so God tells Mary, I'm going to use you to be the mother of my son. Uh, You're going to be the one who brings him into this world. And we find that it's not going to be easy. We think that if we're doing the will of God, if we're in the perfect will of God, if we're right smack dab in the will of God, everything's going to be easy. It's going to be just rosy and beautiful. Anybody read about the (laughs) Apostle Paul? Anybody read about Jesus? It's not going to be easy. In fact, it's actually going to be very difficult. It's going to be difficult because suffering is going to be involved with it. Suffering is going to be involved with it. Are Christians in this place? Are non-Christians in this place? You're going to be in the will of God. Suffering is going to be a part of it. Not having answers to certain questions is going to be a part of it. Not going to do your will, your comfort is not what God is into. He's into you conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
And he's going to do it his way. Sorry, Burger King has it wrong. (laughs) You cannot have it your way. God uses people who desperately, deeply want his will for their lives. But at the same time, there's going to be a glorious ending to it all. That's right. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mary did not say, this is just too much for me to handle. Right. Come on. She could have. I mean, just thinking about seeing an angel and then saying, you know, you're going to have to tell people this pregnancy is from a, a virgin birth. And it's just <laughs> it was like, what? You know, come on now. I mean, she didn't say, wait a minute, I have my plans. It's all set with Joseph. This is this is not what I thought. It's not convenient. Oh. People won't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, my family won't understand. My future husband or my husband, like we say this now, won't get it. Every time I bring up God, you know, it, it rocks the house. I don't want to do that. I don't want to rock the boat. Come on. She didn't say, go, can, just go find somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, she did not decline God's will. Think Amen. about it. She Amen. accepted it. because Look what it says here. Mary's response, this is further in that chapter, Luke 1. She said, this is a prophetic word that comes out. If you just go read that whole part. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And I think here we are 2,000 years later. And we are calling this woman blessed. She is blessed. So she decided, she desired to do the will of God above anything else. The second thing is God uses people then who decide to pay the cost. Come because on. Because we're talking about, you know, when we're walking in the will of God, there's a, there is a cost to it. And, and here's the thing that we have to understand. Like the gospel message is free. You didn't have to pay to come in this morning to hear the gospel. Okay, the message is free. And it's meant for all people. Amen. Every language, every tongue. Jesus left the glories of heaven, uh, you know, to, for the sake of a broken, lost, sin-filled world. People like you and me, we've all sinned and fallen short of Amen. the glory of God. And thank God he said yes to the Father's plan. Take on flesh. Be born like you and me. Born a human being in the likeness of man. Yet Jesus did not sin. Okay. Wow. And for three years, he preached the good news. That's what the Bible calls uh, the, the gospel messages, the good news. He demonstrated the love of God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he demonstrated the love of God, but he told people to repent of their sinful ways and to follow him, and that's how you're going to find eternal life. Come on. Okay? So, and he warned. I mean, Jesus warned frequently of the surety, the sure reality of hell. Like he, he said, this is why it's good news. If you will repent of your sin and pick up your cross yep. and follow me, you will find eternal life. That's good news. Come Otherwise, on. if you reject the good news, your destiny is eternal condemnation, eternal damnation. And yes. he spoke of a, of a place called hell and a lake of fire. And so after three short years of public ministry, he's crucified on a cross, all right? Just as scripture foretold, he paid the penalty for your sin, he paid the penalty for my sin, and then he opened the door to eternal life. This is what he was doing on the cross, opening the the door and the way for each of us to have eternal life. So then, see, salvation now is offered as a free gift. He paid the penalty for your sin and my sin. That's why it's a free gift. We receive it 
Yes. When we repent and we receive it by grace, by the grace of God through faith in that story. Come you on. have faith in that story. That's yeah. really what it's all about. Uh, but So where does the cost come in then? If salvation, we say salvation is a free gift, why do we say that there is a cost to it? But Jesus was quite clear also in Scripture. Amen. He said it several times. That, and he said it so plainly. I mean, one of the times that he said it was, if anyone would come after me, he has to deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. Yeah. Right? And what is the cross? The cross is really, <laughs> you know, some people will say, well, this is my cross to bear in life. Like if you've got maybe a chronic problem or a, an issue that's happened in your life that just goes on my cross to bear. It, mm. It's not really the, the, the meaning of it. It can be like that, but the real meaning is the cross is a symbol of death. Come on. And Jesus is really telling us, I want you to put to death your own plans and dreams, really, for your life. That's correct. Turn your life over to me and do my will every day. That's gonna, that will not feel convenient and comfortable, will it? <laughs> no, it won't. Some days it will. Other days, it's like, I didn't think it was going to be like this, Jesus. You know, you're like, <laughs> how much longer? Yuck. But that's really what Mary did. Mary was willing to pay the cost. And so, like, as we celebrate Jesus' birth, it's not enough to just look at a manger scene and go, yeah, Jesus, he, he existed. I believe that he existed. <laughs> or even to believe that he can save you. Right. That's not enough. He calls on us to repent and commit our whole lives to him. Right. And true repentance means, you know, I'm sorrowful for the way that sinful life was. I'm on a new path. Come on. And that's where that cross gets inconvenient. <laughs> because Jesus said, if anyone who doesn't carry his cross and follow me, he said, you can't be my disciple. Well, this, that's, those are hard words, are sure. they not? And straight up. I mean, salvation, yes, Lord Jesus, I want salvation. It's not just a ticket, like fire insurance, as they say, to heaven. <laughs> There's a process then to working out our salvation that the Lord demands. Demands. Because he says, if you don't, anyone who does not, this is Luke 14, 27, you could look it up later, anyone who doesn't carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And so just this morning, ask yourself, is Jesus Christ the master of your life? <clears throat> Have you put to death your own plans and dreams and hopes <laughs> for your life and said, I'm laying them down. I want your will for my life, no yep. matter the cost. Right. Because at some point you'll realize this is going to cost me a sacrifice, whether it has to do with forgetting relationships or your money or where you, you, know, you live or what the, how, how you raise your family. Yep. The Lord will you know, ask us to come follow him that way. And so and I think so many people come to Christ with selective hearing. <laughs> <laughs> we tune in to all the glorious promises. It's like, yes, who I am in Christ, and I've been made righteous, and God has a plan and a purpose for my life. But we just kind of tune out to those harder words about dying to my own desires and surrendering yeah. you know, to the will of God and be willing to pay the cost. Amen. And so true followers you know, are willing to do that, the cost and obedience, and I just want to bring this up to you as I, you go on to your point, but, you know, last year we started out 2019 and we were talking about giving God six. We, we talked about, you know, if you're serious about really wanting the will of God in your life, there are some basic building blocks to put in place in your life to see his will unfold. Come on. Yeah. 
it's not, like Pastor Steve was saying, it's not automatic. It just doesn't happen. Even because you come to church and you listen to a message or you listen to a good podcast, it's not going to happen right. until we put some basic building blocks in our life. And so 2020, here it is, is right on the horizon. And some of you heard this same thing last year, but I think you heard it with selective hearing. <laughs> you know, sometimes we just want it our way. It's like, yeah. I'll do a little bit of this, but I won't do that. And you know, the Lord is long suffering with us. He's just patient. And praise God for that. <laughs> but none of us want to stand before the Lord and go, I did it my way. Ooh. It's like, no, we, we want to do it the Lord's way. And so... And, you know, to be honest with you, there are some of you that come to my mind and heart over the course of this last year repeatedly. And I know why. It's because some of you are resisting the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so I pray for you. I pray that, you know, that our, your heart would be softened. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we think, well, there's a cost if I obey him fully, but there's a cost if you go the other direction. <laughs> I'd rather pay the cost come on. the Lord's way than to walk in it the other way, come wouldn't on. you? <laughs> come on. <laughs> and so we don't, wanna, we don't want to resist repeatedly the promptings of the Holy Spirit. He, right. he loves us so much. And so this is why he prompts us to pray. Right. But we it, live in a... You know, but the truth is, you know, the more you resist those promptings, the Bible calls that sin. That's yeah. sin. And we live in such a fallen world, it's crazy enough going on. The Bible says the devil roams about seeking whom he may devour. Yeah. Here's the key. Is, is, why would we purposely open the door for him? Yeah. Why would you purposely open the door for the devil to come in and mess you up? Because his, his goal is to destroy you. We resist God's love. And the promptings that God is giving to us is actually a way to get out of the difficulty. And why would we purposely just resist the love of God? See, you might not think of it this way, but that's exactly the truth of it all. You're resisting the love of God because you want it your way. We need to shut the door, give the devil, no access. We need to repent and come back to God and say, I am going to do it your way from now on. Because the devil is ruthless. Anybody know that? He's ruthless. You think of what people do, the devil is ten times worse than that, maybe a thousand times worse. But let's, let's go on here. Let's, let's go over these give God six things. Give God six. These are six basic actions, really, uh, that we want you to build into your life to discover and to do the will of God. It's what Pastor Ben has been talking about. It's called spiritual engineering. Exactly. <laughs> spiritual engineering. And it, you know, it goes back to the thing, why did God choose Mary? Well, do you want him to choose you? There's a few of you. Do you want him to choose you? Yes. Yes, we do. But this is the first one I want you to take a look at. Read the word regularly. We're born, uh, we're a spiritual being. Guess what? A spiritual being needs nourishment. 
Just like your physical body, you stop eating, tell me what's going to happen. I've seen it happen. You stop drinking water. I've seen what happens. Spiritually, that's what happens to every single person who does not read the Word of God. And we think we're okay. We actually think coming to church every once in a while makes us okay. It's deception. Close the door. Don't let the devil have your life. Jesus says his words are spirit and life. Remember when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness? Oh, make those stones bread. And what did he say? He says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. How are we doing? We're going to feed you today. But how are you doing feeding yourself? Our job as pastors is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. We're, in a sense, your personal trainer. (laughs) But do you know what people want? I want a massage therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Every now and then, yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to do this. I am going to go in here and I'm going to do a series that says, and it's going to be the tough sayings of Jesus. Do you know what? And here's what happens. Most people don't want to do that. They'll go to a church that tells them how good they are. (laughs) You're wonderful. Number one is what? Read his word. Read the word regularly. regularly. Number two, make church life a priority. When things got bad and persecution hit the early church, the Bible declares they went to their own kind. They went back to their own people. Do you know what that means? They went to their church. They went to the Christians. They went to the people who believe like they believe. You and I cannot grow spiritually properly without one another. Amen. I'll just do it on my own. And you'll be a tree with one branch like this. <laughs> We need each other. Yes, we do. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, if things get worse here, there's only one group of people that you're going to be able to trust. Yeah. And if you don't know those people and they don't know you, that's not a good sign. Yeah. We have that scripture there, Hebrews. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some have done. And it's happening back in that, their day too. Oh, you know, you know and what happens? People come to church, they are sitting in the anointing. 
It's a corporate anointing. Mm -hmm. you're, you're experiencing a supernatural presence of God right now. Yeah. And God is actually doing something in your heart right now that you don't even know what's happening. Yeah. That's why you can leave church and I feel really good. <laughs> think you're okay. Listen, you think you're okay. And then you go out and then what happens? The world beats you up, brings you down. You start thinking the wrong things. You get worse and worse. You come back to church, same thing happens. Oh, yeah, I'm good to go another six, seven weeks. <laughs> and then you keep that up. That falls off, and your roots dry up. Yeah. Scary thought, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Read the Word. Make church life a priority. This is not a perfect church. You know why? Because I'm here. I'm here. I'm not perfect. You know what? I make mistakes. I'll offend every Ohio State fan I can. <laughs> every time that you can. Every, wait till we win one. <laughs> <laughs> See, I get it too. So, <laughs> Number three, serve one another. Serve each other. Humble yourself and serve. Look for menial tasks. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. Pastor Ben was mentored by Gerald Brooks, uh, uh, a man who's a remarkable man. He's a pastor down in Plano, Texas. He would uh, open his door to his office and he would actually throw uh, a piece of paper out in the hallway and he would be behind his desk and watch people. And he would watch people walk by because they were too good to pick up a piece of paper oh and throw it in the trash. This is your church. You know, you see something on the floor that shouldn't be on the floor? Exactly. Well, don't walk past it. Pick it up and throw it away. Exactly. Pick it up and put it in Jason's pocket <laughs> <laughs> without him knowing it. <laughs> okay, number one, we're going to what? We're going to read the Word. We're yeah. going to do number two. We're going to make church life a priority. Number three, we're going to serve one another. Of course, you give me number four. We're going to give. I'll say this. We're going to give generously. Give generously. Because this is the way of a Christian. Yeah. yeah. It I is. Mean, it, we're not going to get into this because we've talked about it. We, we talk about it frequently. But really, at some point, God, you, we must partner with God in our finances. Amen. It's impossible. Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon. And he said mammon was the god of money. And so God will deal with us in our money. Yep. And so just learning to start to give. Give generously. Think in a generous term about money and using it for the kingdom is going to help you step in the direction yep. of walking like Jesus. And then number five would just be to pray. Praying is just one of the most simplest communications that Come we on. can have with God. Pray. Talk to God every day. Come to the prayer meetings that we oh, have twice so, a week here. So wonderful. Um, your, your heart will be open. Number six is obey the simple promptings of the Holy Spirit. 
Romans 8, that scripture there is for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so we're led by God's Spirit. Come on. This is how we walk through life. We, we obey those simple promptings. Do yes. this, don't do that. Go over here, don't go over there. That's how, if you, put some, if you put these six things into practice in the simplest way in 2020, your life will change. Come on. The next thing we want to see here about who God uses uh, is God uses people who take the risk to trust his promises. Oh, yeah. To trust his promises. Now, our rational mind, you know, can talk us into and out of a lot of stuff. How many of you know that? <laughs> I mean, God designed it so that our brains would actually work to do their job to keep us safe, you know, so that we don't take a risk that could hurt us. Like, you know, you see trains coming down the track and you're about to walk over. It's like, get off the track. You know, your brain is telling you, do that to keep you safe. But there are other times when we just override the right thing to do. We override it because of our emotions. Our heads just tell us, you know, a different thing. We take a dumb risk, a foolish risk sometimes, right? And it doesn't turn out good. I think we can all tell stories. It's like, that was the dumbest thing I ever did. But this is kind of funny. Because For example, <laughs> <laughs> we just came back from Idaho visiting my two sisters. One lives in Boise. The other one lives an hour up into the mountains. Uh, and we were there about 10 years ago. Uh, before, yeah, this, this was, last visit was 10 Yeah, years. last visit was 10 years ago. Um, my uh, nephew was being married. Well, we got there up in the mountains. It's gorgeous. It really is beautiful. So Jenny gets out the, the four-wheeler, and she and Mamie get on there and take off to go to the mountains. Well, Raider is not there. Raider's Jenny's husband, uh, but he had a dirt bike uh, there. <laughs> you already know where this story's going, yeah. <laughs> well, I thought after, see, my mom and dad were there, my other sister was there, and everybody, everybody say everybody. Everybody. Told Steve, don't get on the motorcycle. <laughs> don't get on the bike. Well, you know as well as I do, when a man says, when everybody tells him, don't do something, well, <laughs> I'm the first one to get it going. <laughs> well, then here's what goes. I, I call Raider because I couldn't get it started. I couldn't figure it out. How, was this, how do I start this? So I call him on the phone. How do I get your bike started? Did he tell you that he's never driven a motorcycle uh, yeah, I've, before? Yeah, I've, <laughs> ne I've never Just, ridden a yeah. driven a motorcycle. I was on the back of one, but I've never ridden a motorcycle. So he says, just turn that little switch on the bottom and get the gas going in there. So I get this thing started. I'm going to catch the girls. They're up in the mountain somewhere. Can't be that hard. Can't be that hard. It was that hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get it going. I get up to the top of the hill, get on the road and everything. And I thought, okay, now which way? Oh, they went this way. So I'm, you know, the, they don't turn like this, like a bicycle you know, like this, they only turn part way. Uh, so I get part way in the clutch and all this and that, and then it's like, I well, I let out the clutch and I go over the hill. Yes. And the front of that bike just dropped like this, threw me off the bike itself. I'm, I land about, and I'm not exaggerating, it was probably 20 yards, 50 to 60 feet down the mountain. Uh, thank God for yeah, Ponderosa Pines now. because there's a lot of needles down. 
Well, then I get up immediately. Wait, wait, you forgot to tell them where you almost, what you fell oh, next to. Three feet away from me was a property uh, stake. That's, yeah, about this high coming it's, off. It's off like the, a road sign. You know how they road put a metal property stake? Yeah. If I'd have been three feet over there, you would not be talking to me. I would have been impaled on that thing. Uh, praise God for His mercy, even when we're stupid. <laughs> well, I get up. Well, the stupid continues. <laughs> I get up right away off of that because this is my brother-in-law's motorcycle, and you're, if that goes, it's going down to town. <laughs> it's going to be totally destroyed. So I'm up there. I'm going to stop this thing. <laughs> Can you say dumb? <laughs> I'm standing there getting ready. This motorcycle is a 250. I, I didn't think it was heavy. Flatten me like that. <laughs> Boom, right in my thigh. And like, it stopped. Okay. <laughs> Everything's. My sister yeah. comes running out of my younger sister comes running out of the house. Are you crazy? <laughs> and I'm just saying, I got to get this back in the garage because the girls are going to come and they're going to really be mad at me, especially this angel. <laughs> <laughs> so I get this thing, I, I get it going, I get it back up and I park it into the garage. And sure enough, I get, oh, I'm hurt. I come out, and I'm just standing there with a smile on my face. <laughs> Here they come. <laughs> come right down, and I just look at this. And the first thing she says, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> like, what happened to you? What did you do? <laughs> well, needless to say, I had to go to the emergency room. They thought I fractured my femur, and it, it, it just was... It was not a good rest of the trip, folks. <laughs> I'm on crutches. I'm supposed to be dancing at the wedding. I'm on crutches. She's fuming. She doesn't want to look at me. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my. I wish this was all over. <laughs> but your mind can talk you into doing the stupidest things, to taking risks that will kill you. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Number what was this? Not. Number three? No, wait. Willing yeah. to risk trusting God's word. Yeah. And why is it that sometimes we're willing to risk in the natural like that, like a crazy risk? <laughs> There's no guarantee of a good outcome. And yet we don't want to trust God. Like we're afraid to risk trusting God. Right? Come on. I mean the sustainer of all things, the creator of all things, the one who's forever faithful to his promises. Yes. I mean, some people, some of you are more willing to put your reliance on your own natural thinking. When God says, my thoughts are higher than Amen. your thoughts, my ways are higher than your Come ways. On. And then he tells us, forsake your thoughts, take my ways. And take God, God's thoughts over our own thoughts. Exactly. But I mean, some of us, some of you just more willing to risk, they say, with your money. 
you take a gamble with your money, you throw your money, you know, in a direction that with the hope of, of a win that yeah. maybe never comes. And yet God's saying, if you partner with me, I can make every grace and blessing come to you in abundance. In abundance. And I can provide for all of your needs according to Christ's riches and glory. Hallelujah. I mean, some people are willing to risk their marriage, their family for a one-night stand. It's like there's nothing good that's going to come of it. Amen. And then God's saying, do it my way. And we go, no. It's like it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> some of you are, you know, people are willing to risk your own knowledge of God, your children's knowledge of God, because, well, an eternal life even, because just bringing them to church, your kids, is just not convenient. It's, I don't want to do with all, deal with all the family stuff because of it. You know, I don't want to offend anybody, really, but you're, you're taking a foolish risk. Come on, it's true. When you rely on your own thoughts and your own ways and you resist trusting and obeying uh, the thoughts and the pull of the Holy Spirit where he's telling you to go in your life. Yes. I mean, his love for us is so great. This is what we have to see. His motivation to do this in our life is because he loves us, yes. and he knows yes. that sin will destroy your life. So he woos us in love. It's like, don't go there. It's because I, he's, he loves us that he tells us these things, not because he's trying to cramp our style. Right. He knows that the devil has a scheme and a strategy to destroy your life. He sees it. And he's intervening. He's yes. having people pray for you even. Stop them. Give them a soft heart. He's doing everything he can to intervene in our lives. I mean, look at this scripture, Jeremiah 29, this 11. This is so good. says this, for I know the thoughts. This is God speaking. The prophet is speaking for God. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to yeah. you. But here's the point, 2 and 13, verse 13, and you will seek me and find me when you what? Search, Search for, for me, me how? With all, with your... all your heart. God Come wants on. all your heart, not a little bit of your heart. His desire and his need really is to give all of ourselves to him. And you it know, takes courage sometimes to do that. That's it. It does take courage. You know, courage is moving ahead with God in spite of your fears. Courage doesn't mean there's not fear. Courage means you're doing it even though you are afraid. Exactly. You know, you got fear of facing your inadequacies, your insecurities, you know, fear of surrendering your pride, you know. Jesus is worth the risk. Yes, he is. Truth is, God calls on you to risk everything for him. Yeah. He says, give me everything. Yeah. And he's not kidding. He's not kidding. We can't be a disciple if we're half in and half out. Yeah. This is a warning. Because too many people in the Christian church, in the Christian world, think they're okay with God when they're really not. I said a prayer. You know, God listened to that prayer, but you know what God's doing? He says, now I want to see if there's any fruit to that in your life. Yeah. If there's not, that's why Jesus said, so many on that day are going to say, Lord, Lord, open to me. They're going to say at the very end, you're going to say, oh, give me some of your oil. Ours is running out. I don't want you to be that person. No, no. And what the wise virgin says, go buy your own oil. We don't have enough for you and us. And the Bible declares that the door was shut. 
the wise virgins went in, but the door was shut. And the foolish virgins said, Oh, Lord, open to me, open to us, open to us. Here we are. Do you know what that declares? Virgin, when they use that word, declares church people. Five were wise, five were foolish. Open to us, open to us. Do you know what Jesus said? The master himself says, go away, I don't even know you. Well, today, are you half in or are you half out? Are you fully in or are you fully out? Jesus says, I wish you were hot or cold. And since you're lukewarm, I'm spitting you out of my mouth. This is a danger sign. This is the real Bible. You and I got to get real with God or just give it up. Don't fool yourself anymore. Don't lie to yourself. Jesus is coming back where the church is without spot or wrinkle. Risk it all for his promises. Jesus called Peter out of the boat. Come on! But then when he got his natural mind going, he started looking at the circumstances. He started to sink. But when we're focused on Jesus, when he asks us to do something we think is impossible, he is the God of the impossible. My question for you today is, is is your life right with Jesus? Are you all in? Or are you pretending? Because the devil knows if you're pretending, and God knows if you're pretending. And you can talk yourself into a lie. Thank God. Thank God whenever we confess our sin to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we don't want to... We want to close out this message, you know, with a word of hope. Yeah, that if man. that's you, you feel like, you know, yeah, I am in half, half in, half out. I don't know that I've told God I want to pay the cost. I'm willing. I desire to do your will. Then do it. Just say it to him now. Ask him to forgive you. Forgive me, Lord, for running from you, for wandering. He will. For being so preoccupied, for my pride getting in the way, taking my own thoughts rather than your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Forgive me, Father. Forgive me, Jesus. I ask you to cleanse me by your blood. And he will. I thank you for cleansing from all unrighteousness, Lord, when we confess our sins. You're faithful and just to do that. I thank you for the hope that you build. I pray, Father, that you would give us hearts, Lord, that our hearts would be open and receptive to follow you in 2020 with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, Lord. You have so much for us. You have so much for your church. Lord God, don't let us be a people that draw back in fear. I pray for courage in our hearts, Lord, to move ahead and walk with you, Lord, step by step. You say you'll give us the power to work out our salvation. I pray that we would look to you every day to trust you for your grace and your love and your mercy to help us every day, Lord. Build that into us by the power of your spirit. We thank you for it, Jesus.